2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: I'm Tomasz Rosicki and you are listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast.
3: Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle. Giroud
1: is Two! Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. For the week of the 8th of February 2016, I'm Russell Hargreaves. On this week's show, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain shares his love of all things sport. Adrian Clark is here to preview the Gunners' massive top of the table clash against Leicester. And to remember, a Valentine's Night friendly in this week's history lesson. But first of all, let's kick off by talking to Dan Roebuck and Nick Brunsack with a bumper weekend review. Welcome back to Matchday Show commentary team. Dan Roebuck and Nick Bromsack here on the podcast. Arsenal, of course, in action twice last week. And before we get to yesterday's trip to Bournemouth, there was a frustrating evening on Tuesday against Southampton. Nick, hello, mate. You were, of course, there for that one. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Frustrating would be perhaps the word.
0: Yeah, I think if you isolate it, you could say it was maybe one of those games. But having drawn at Stoke, having lost at Chelsea, it wasn't really good enough for Arsenal. They had a number of good opportunities. And while Fraser Forster was excellent, in the visitors' goal, I just felt that they needed to take one of them. You know, They missed some guilt-edged chances and in a way, it was a similar game, wasn't it? Especially in that second half to the Newcastle one um, Mm. around New Year's Day time where Arsenal kept knocking on the door towards the end and got the breakthrough and unfortunately, against the Saints, they
1: just couldn't quite uh, open the door. I suppose when you've got a keeper in fine form as Forster's been since he's come back from injury, it's a case of trying to Ram in a goal that no keeper can save, isn't it? A bit like Jesse Lingard's goal, for example, for Man United against Courtois.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think he made 11 saves, which was, you know, a phenomenal effort from, from him. And he was a clear man of the match. But having said that, there were a few chances. I'm, I'm looking at Theo Walcott's one midway through the second half. And then Laurent Koscielny with, with that free header from about six yards where you think you need to put those goals in, especially when you're going for the title. Unfortunately, Arsenal couldn't do that. But I mean, some of the saves that Forster made, especially... The one from Ozo in the first half, a couple from Giroud after the break as well, were, were absolutely exceptional.
1: Nick, plenty more from you in just a second. Dan's here as well. Dan, just while we're on this game, before we expand to Bournemouth as well, um, that lack of cutting edge in the final third, is it an ongoing concern for you? Uh,
4: well, it was at the time, wasn't it? Um, because of uh, goalless efforts against Chelsea, what well, a defeat, of course, against Chelsea, and failing to score against Stoke as well, and that made it three on the spin at Arsenal hadn't scored um in the Premier League and it was disappointing. You know, we talk about Fraser Forster and it was interesting the reaction from one or two emailers on the match day show after the game against Southampton. They were bitterly disappointed. Um and they kept on suggesting to me and David Hillier, who was on co commentary duty that night, that that we were sort of apologising for Arsenal not scoring and, and we, we, we should be a little bit more honest. And I think Nick touched on it there. You're going to win the title. You've got to score. You've got to win these games. Uh, Fraser Forster, yes, he's had a fantastic um, uh, uh, game that night, and he continues to do so. As you, as you just mentioned, you he's see since he's come back uh, from injury. It's been extraordinary uh, since he's come back, and you'd like to think he's nailed on to, to make the um, uh, European Championship squad for England in the summer. But you, you've got to take your chances, and it, and it was disappointing. There's, there's no doubt about that. And Those are the games when you look back over the course of the season, and yeah, that's two points dropped, because it was two points drop. you You've dominated the game, you've created the chances, you've got to be more clinical in front of goal.
1: On the whole this season, whenever Arsenal have had either a bad game or a bad little mini-run, they have bounced back. And on the back of that draw, Arsenal, of course, travelled to Bournemouth on Sunday. And let's remind ourselves of what happened.
5: Thanks Looking to try and use his pace, cutting in field, short for Ramsey. Ramsey has got Oxlade Chamberlain further right. Oxlade Chamberlain stays in his position. Ramsey hoisted inside the penalty area. And he's over with a shot into the net. Arsenal have the advantage. It sat up beautifully for the German who just thumped it past Boric. It is Bournemouth nil. Arsenal 1. Meanwhile, this is Ramsey, edge of the Bournemouth penalty area, looking here for Oxlade-Chamberlain, who goes for goal, hits the bottom corner, flies across the line and goes in for another. Arsenal lead by two goals to nil. Alex Oxley chamberlain strikes one post and then ricochets in off the other. Bournemouth have been caught cold from the restart. It is Bournemouth nil, Arsenal two.
1: So, Dan, m- much more the tonic that the gun has needed and the way other results fell... Obviously, um, things not looking too bad and could be all the better if they could somehow beat high-flying Leicester and get within two points come another week's time.
4: Yeah, you mentioned the results sort of falling our way. Are we, are we still in this situation where we're not believing Leicester are, are title contenders? Did we want Leicester to win that game against Manchester City? I guess we did, really. Uh, I'm still firmly in the camp but I think I'm getting into a bit of a minority. They believe that Leicester will fall away when the pressure starts to sit on them. And the bookmakers made them favourites on Saturday night after they beat um, Manchester City. Um, but, yeah, Arsenal, if they can beat Leicester next time out, the gap will just be two. So it was imperative to win yesterday. Didn't create as many chances as we did against um, Southampton, so it was a different game. I thought it was hard fought. It was a tough encounter. Bournemouth played well, I thought, in the second half, and they created some good opportunities late on. Put a check with check with a late double save to keep a clean sheet for Arsenal. But yeah, the goals uh, were good, weren't they? Please for Mesut Ozil, his first goal since scoring against Bournemouth in the reverse fixture. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, when he started the season scoring the winner against Chelsea in the Community Shield, um, you think to yourself, this is a player that can really kick on. This is his season. 15-16 will be the campaign that we see the Ox establish himself as first choice, get into that England side and stay there. For whatever reason, it's not quite worked out. I know he's had one or two issues with injury and a little bit of a dip in form as well, but great to see him contribute. It's great to see him on the score sheet as well. Hard fought, I thought, against Bournemouth, but deserved. Arsenal were the better side and much needed After the recent blips, and yeah, we're right back in the title race. We're five points off Leicester now. Spurs obviously just above us on goal difference, and lots of people talking about the goal difference yesterday, about the fact that it's nine between Spurs and Arsenal. I'm sure that will change between now and the end of the season. But yeah, it just keeps us bubbling along and keeps us very much in
1: the mix. Yeah, completely agree with that. And Nick, just reflecting a bit more broadly there on some of what Dan had to say and, and beyond, really good for Ozil as well to, to get that goal. And again, he's not been 100% fit at times. He's had to play through the pain barrier and not always been training as much as he would like. So hopefully we're seeing him get back to sharpness. Alexis is clearly coming back to sharpness as well. And these key match winners that Arsenal are going to need in these next few weeks.
0: Yeah, I think Mesut Ozil has probably been the main positive for Arsenal in these last two games against... Southampton, he created 10 chances. That's uh, the most of any player in a single game this season. Then I thought he took the game by the scruff of the neck against Bournemouth. He opened the scoring. It was a really good finish, actually. Mm. Um, He almost had to get on tiptoes, didn't he, to make sure that he stayed over the ball. Um, And he's going to be key for Arsenal in in these closing weeks, as is Alexis Sanchez. So I thought on Sunday he looked a little bit off the pace, but I'm sure that uh, with a week's worth of rest and training, he'll be ready for the Leicester game. Just picking up on what Dan said about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, their sentiments I echo completely, really, because in pre-season he was on fire. You know, He was certainly he, he rounded it off, of course, by scoring that winner against Chelsea. And I thought if one Arsenal man this season is going to have uh, a great one that could lead the club to the title, it was going to be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And for whatever reason, that's not happened. But it was really good to see him get his, his first goal actually away from home for the club yesterday. Of course, he's been in now for, what, four and a half years or so. So uh, it was about time.
4: Do we, do, we, do we know exactly where the Ox's best position is? That's a that's question that comes up all the time on the Day Show. And obviously, we saw him play, play on, on the right-hand side yesterday, but he, but he sort of played a little bit in field as well. We saw him play uh, in the number 10 role this season. We've actually seen him play on the left-hand side as well. Are we convinced which position is his best, Nick? Where do you think he should play?
0: Um, I think I like him playing on the, on the right in those away games because, as you mentioned, he can come centrally and he can help... The likes of Ramsey and Flamini when they need it. Um, And with the Ox as well, what I think when he plays on the right wing is because he's got so much pace going forward, he can really help to engineer those quick counter attacks that Arsenal have become known for. And maybe that's the place that he needs to be in. You know, when he's on the left, he has to keep coming inside. I'm not too sure about his left foot. And um, in the number 10 position, I think the likes of Ozil and Cazorla, even Alexis are always going to be ahead of him there. So maybe that's the place for him to try and stake his claim, especially with Alexis looking pretty settled on the left and Ozil in the middle. I think that could be the area.
1: There's one or two players perhaps not in the richest vein of form at the moment. And I think if Theo Walcott and Olivier Giroud didn't exactly have the best of games, did he, on Sunday, are you concerned there or do you think one or the other or both will will refine their form and and get their confidence bubbling for this key running? I think from a Giroud point of view, um,
4: obviously he teed up uh, Mesut Ozil's goal. Um, he's a battler, and every single time the spotlight is thrown upon Olivier, he always responds. Um, whenever there's been talk about a new striker coming in or whenever there's a striker coming, he's always um, stepped up to the plate and he's managed to find his form and score goals. And his goal-scoring record in the Premier League is uh, terrific. And I know there's been a lot of talk, and you mentioned it before us, about taking your chances against Southampton. That's what you've got to do and you've got to have a striker who can do it. But I'm quite happy with Olivier at the moment. He still contributes, he still works out. The The biggest problem, uh, to a certain extent, this is an odd one for Olivier is that we could do with two of him, because, in my opinion, he's the best Arsenal substitute. He's the guy who can make an impact like no other. Theo, I don't think, can make the same sort of impact as a substitute. It sounds a bit strange, because you think pace comes on, can change, can later on. But Olivier Giroud, the amount of time that he loses his place, they for example, in the starting line, he'll come back in as a sub and he'll score. He's phenomenal. He's got a, a great asset that he can seem to get to the pace of the game very quickly He can make his presence felt. Well. And it's a shame we can't have two of them, really, but you can't have everything. But I, Giroud will battle away. Theo has had a bit of a dip, but he's such a, a quality performer, such a talented man, and he's got something that no one else has got, and that's that pace. And you know that he's going to be an asset between now and the end of the season, so I'm not too concerned about that there.
0: I think on Giroud, something there as well is that he tends to score in fits and bursts. You know, he might go four or five games without a goal, but then in his next four or five, he'll score five or six. Um, And for me, the only thing that's really missing from his game is that little bit of consistency. Like, for example, that Southampton game, he had a few chances and he hasn't done too much wrong. The goalkeeper's made some fantastic saves. But that's, for me, where you want Giroud to stand up and say, right, we need a goal here, someone to win this game. I'm going to be that man. And I think that between now and the end of the
1: season, that could be crucial for Arsenal. Let's just take a look at the back as well, because as as we were hearing two or three minutes ago, Bournemouth did carve out some decent chances during the game. Yes, Arsenal nilled them in the end. But do you feel for a title-winning or title-winning aspirational team that perhaps need to lock down some games a bit more convincingly? or
0: Yeah, perhaps. I thought actually Arsenal were quite sloppy in the second half and thought the ball retention wasn't anywhere near as good as it should have been in that situation. But then if you turn it around, I think it's four clean sheets out of the last six. I'm
4: going to say, Nick, I think you've been a bit harsh though. Have
1: you got your harsh hat on today? <laughs> I <laughs> kind of led him into it, to be fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But look, I just thought that um, Arsenal could have made that game safe. They could have gone and got that third goal earlier than they did. Um, Having said that, Arsene Wenger did mention, didn't he, that confidence was a little bit brittle going into the game. So maybe it's no surprise to see them play the way they did it in the second period there. But just touching on the defence, four clean sheets out of six, that's not too bad. Not bad, is it? And you look at the the chances that Bournemouth had, most of them came from outside of the area. OK, maybe the players could have been closed down a bit quicker. But when you've got someone like Petr Cech uh, in goal, you're almost inviting teams to to have a try from 20, 25 yards because nine times out of ten, he's either going to save it or they're not going to hit the target anyway. So... I think when you look at the, the last few games, of course, the Chelsea one, they conceded one. But at Stoke, they were solid against Southampton, who had a few threats, the likes of Mane and, and Shane Long. I thought Arsenal generally dealt with that well. And against Bournemouth on Sunday, yes, they did have a few chances. But I don't think Arsenal were ever really too worried about them coming back into the game. Do we, uh,
4: do, we, yeah. do we think, sorry, just, just one point on Gabriel. Do we think Gabriel keeps his place for, for, for the Leicester game? Uh, is he now ahead of, of Per Mertesacker? I was sort of slightly surprised that Per didn't come back in.
0: Yeah, I was um, surprised that he didn't game. I was surprised as well that he, he didn't play against Bournemouth, but looking ahead to that Leicester game with the pace of Vardy, the pace the of Mara, you six, think maybe I Gabriel know. should be the man yeah, yeah. to play in that game and I, I reckon Arsenal Wenger from now until the end of the season providing they all stay fit we will we'll just base it on the opposition really. Gabriel's not playing too badly at the moment. I thought he was actually quite good uh, against Bournemouth on Sunday, so I would expect him to keep his place for that Leicester game. But then, look, we could see Pear come I in for another uh, another game. Maybe the Man United one coming up or Swansea. Teams who perhaps play in a different way to Leicester. Um, maybe Wenger will try and cater for that by changing his back four around a bit.
1: So, Dan, what's your take then defensively? I mean, there is the Leicester game to come. Obviously, there's Spurs in a few weeks. As Nick said, there's some other huge challenges around the corner as well. That's without even going into Europe. Do you think that collective of, of the sort of six or seven main first-team options will hold up?
4: I think, the, I mean, the, the, the central defensive pair, are in, I think the, the two full-backs have, have nailed down their place at the moment. And that is not going to change. Obviously, Matthew Debussy has, has gone out on loan, so I don't think we're going to see any change left and right back at the moment. The, the, there was always a suggestion that Castelloni and Gabriel um, are going to take the foot forward over the next few years, and they will be the main stay. Um, there's also a suggestion that they're similar type of players. Um, I think Gabriel's uh, looked good in, in, in the vast majority of the games uh, recently that I've seen him play. He's still a little bit raw, I think, on the other occasion. I mean, he's only been at the club just over a year, you've got to remember that. So it wouldn't surprise me, I think this out, that we see Mertesacker Sacker come in for certain games, but he will be horses for courses. Leicester are so quick on the break, you can't really imagine um, Arsene Wenger playing. Um, Pan Mortisacker against uh, Leicester, you wouldn't have thought. But it, it, when Arsenal uh, are sitting further back and haven't got to worry about a team on the break as much, a la Manchester United away. Then it, it might be a little bit different. But but generally, as Nick just pointed out, I mean the stats are pretty good. It, when you're not scoring, it puts more pressure on your defence. But mm. I think that hopefully Arsenal just come out of that lull with those scoreless efforts against. Southampton, Stoke, and Chelsea with two against Bournemouth, and hopefully we can kick on from here, and it'll put less pressure on that defensive unit. But I'm I'm fairly happy with with uh, how we're performing at the back,
1: gentlemen. I always love these little three-way discussions when there's been two games. We can really get into the nitty-gritty. Anything else that either of you would like to to raise? Any other? Points you want to get off your chest before we finish, Nick?
0: Yeah, just ahead of that Leicester game, really. Um, Arsenal come into it. I think they're the only team really who have beaten Leicester at their own game this season. You know that, that game at the King Power back in September. I think there were forty-three shots in total, and Arsenal had the better of that game. Yeah, there were a few scares, um, but in the second half, particularly, I thought they were excellent. Um, and going into this game on Sunday, there's there's nothing to fear from from Leicester f- for me anyway. I mean, look, are we they're...
4: really saying that about Leicester? Are we? Are, are they really that good?
0: Oh, I think, I mean, are they that good? The uh, performance at, M- at Man City, their performance against Liverpool answers that question. I think yes, they are. they, they cycle are. contenders,
4: Nick Ross?
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
0: Are they
1: title contenders? Well, I mean, yeah, of course they are. They're
2: five I think points they clear with, with 13 I've games left. I've seen a left.
1: fair bit of them this season. And I know what you mean. That there's that perception that there are a few cracks that maybe will break and the, the fissures will suddenly open. But at the moment, you look at the collective and the camaraderie and the teamwork and the organisation of the majority of the side, then you put in two absolute top-class players in Mahrez and Vardy on, on top of that. It's a blooming good effort, I have to say, and they're still hanging in there, and they're five points clear again. So why not?
4: I'm going to blame you two if Leicester win at the weekend because you've talked them (laughs) up for the past five
1: minutes. (laughs) (laughs) For for, for me, the
0: key thing with Leicester is just to finish. um, After this Arsenal game, their next five matches are against Norwich, West Brom, Watford, Newcastle, and Palace, and all of a sudden they're under pressure to win all of those games, and they haven't had that at any point in this season. Very true. People have always said Leicester are going to fall away. December, in January, now in February, people are still saying, you know what, this team might fall away. And even if they beat Arsenal, coming into those next five games, suddenly they need to win all of them. Different the types of pressure, isn't it? Exactly. And also, you look at Vardy and Mares. as Russ was saying, they're the two key outstanding players in that team. If any of them get an injury, that's where I think problems could start to surface. Having said that, they're only in one competition. They've got 13 games left this season. If they keep their players fit, um, I think they could surprise a few people by the end of the season. I'm not saying they'll win it, because I don't believe they will, but
1: I think they'll be right up there. We're going to hear more from Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in a moment, and of course, more with Adrian Clark on that Leicester game between now and the end of this week's Arsenal Weekly podcast. Dan, Nick, always a pleasure, gentlemen, and uh, look forward to the next Match Day show commentary, of course, here as well. Cheers, guys. Thanks for us. Cheers.
0: Great stuff. Thanks, Ross.
1: As we just heard, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain got Arsenal's second goal against Bournemouth yesterday, and in another world, he could have easily been dazzling down the wing on the rugby field instead of on the football pitch. The Ox played rugby union throughout his school life and was even offered a trial at London Irish. He spoke with Arsenal media's Liam Roberts about trying different sports and which of his teammates has got hidden sporting talents.
6: I guess you can take stuff from... Um, any different sport you play, especially other team sports, which obviously cricket and, and rugby are. Um, thinking rugby um, and cricket, to be fair, to an extent, um, it's very, it's very big on uh, respect and uh, respect for the game, respect for your teammates and the opposition in, in rugby. So, um, I mean, you can always take that into football. Uh, there's definitely no backchat into the ref in rugby. <laughs> you don't. We don't. I definitely am. I haven't carried that over to football because so I do like to sometimes tell the ref. I don't think he's got it right. Um, but no, there's definitely stuff you can learn, and yeah, just playing in any sort of team sport and getting that winning feeling and uh, working with with other teammates, it's always good for obviously for football, which is also a team game.
0: I like. Are you one of those annoying people that's just? Good at everything
6: you pick up because I know some people like they won't play a sport and they'll just start playing. Yeah, and like, like I don't like <laughs> to admit to it, but I uh, I'm definitely that person. Like Kier if you ask Kieran Gibbs that question, he'll, uh, it's what he always says to me. He just says I'm I'm just always good at every pretty much all the sports that we sort of do. I'm uh, you know table tennis, tennis. I'm, I'm I was just when I was younger, I used to play everything. Um, I think I was just quite naturally good at, at sport in general, so I picked everything up quite what's quite quickly. The, what's the
0: weirdest? What's that? I, I once played lawn bowls and was really good at it. Really? And yes, I was like, okay, let's start playing
6: lawn bowls now. So. Um, I don't know. Well, uh, I think table tennis is another weird one. I'm I'm pretty good at table tennis. um That's 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 one of those games that I can go away from for six months and then. Yeah. Come back and first game be re, be quite good still. Um, so yeah, Is I'd there anything you
0: team.
6: haven't played that you think or like you kind of want to have a go at? Those? Any uh, I don't know like even when it comes to like skiing or something like that. I used to be good at skiing. Um, I used to love love going skiing. So I, d- I don't know. Um, I guess it's just something that I wouldn't have had the resources to anything that you know in sort of in our day and age that you can play. Quite easily, I pretty much played, you know, basketball, things like that. Um, so I, it's not really, it's not really many, probably many sports I haven't tried. Have you ever thought of maybe going to a
0: batting cage, try something like the baseball batting cages, something like that?
6: Yeah, um, definitely. That that always that's probably one thing that obviously we don't play much here, so never really tried that. Um, but I used to be good at rounders as well as at, at school, so. So it's a little bit similar to that. Um, I think if you just got good hand-eye coordination, obviously cricket probably out with that. Oh, yeah, sure. um, you'd be good. You'd be you'd be halfway there. But no, I sound like I'm just harping on how good yeah. I am at sport. That's fine. <laughs> I was gonna say. So
0: final one. If like apart from yourself, who is the best round all
6: sportsman at the club? Um, Theo is definitely one of them. Yeah, I know he's he's good at he's good at. Uh, He's quite he good at cricket, cricket yeah, yeah, he was quite good at cricket. I think Callum as well, Callum Chambers is... He's, yeah, he's a pretty good all-round sportsman. Uh, Gibbo's not bad as well, he's quite, Gibbo's good at tennis. Great serve on him.
1: The Ox will be hoping to be in Roy Hodgson's England squad for the European Championships in France this summer. And speaking of France, they're the subjects of today's history lesson.
3: And it's Adams! put through by Bold! Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him! Oh, look really It's up for grabs now!
1: On the 14th of February 1989, Arsenal played the French national team in a friendly in front of 50,000 fans at Highbury. The game was organised as a warm-up for France, who'd got a World Cup tie against Scotland coming up, and for Arsenal to show themselves as ambassadors for English club's reintroduction into European competition, right after the Heysel Stadium tragedy. Arsenal would go on to beat the French team, which included a young Eric Cantona 2-0 on the night, courtesy of goals from Alan Smith and a screamer from Martin Hayes. Now what can Merson do here? Well,
3: he's missed kicked, but Martin Hayes hasn't. He's scored a stunner, and Arsenal lead France on the hour. And Hayes, who's barely been on the pitch two minutes, reminds us that he was Arsenal's top scorer a couple of years ago. Has been short of opportunities this season, but when Merson miskicked, that fell invitingly for him, and it was unstoppable. And here's Kerry Groves, another of the squad members who have made useful contributions this season without being regulars. Groves, a scorer in the last Home League game against West Ham when he was deputising for Marwood. He can run. Smith. Arsenal lead 2-0. And the substitutions get more and more inspired. Was that a little grin of satisfaction by George Graham? Rose comes on to roar away down the far side. And deliver the cross that Smith was first to and it looked over Bats 2-0 16 minutes left
1: the game was a precursor for the special relationship which would develop between France and Arsenal Football Club many years later, with the appointment of Arsene Wenger and the emergence of club legends like Patrick Vieira, Robert Pires, and Thierry Henry. We'll have another history lesson next week, but next we'll talk to Adrian Clark about the weekend's clash against Leicester. Adrian Clarke joins me now. Clarke, always a pleasure, my friend. How's life with you? Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, all is all is well, thank you. Good. And of course, it is the big one coming up next, isn't it? Crucial that Arsenal have got this chance now to, to potentially close the gap to two points. Massive game against an outstanding team we have just been a breath of fresh air.
7: Yeah, it is the most important match of the entire season, isn't it? And uh, I'm, just can't wait for it, I've got to be honest, because Leicester City are one of those sides you can't take your eye off this season. It's an incredible story. It's, it's well documented, of course, but they haven't fluke their way to the top of the table. That's the most important thing to know. They deserve to be there because of their energy, their teamwork and because a number of individuals in that team are top Quality or top, top quality, as the manager might like to point out. So, so Leicester City will be a real test of Arsenal's credentials.
1: Maybe we'll start with the manager for a second, because, I mean, this is remarkable in itself, isn't it? I think he was the bookies' favourite to be sacked of all the managers as the season started, coming in after a couple of ropey jobs, let's be honest, (laughs) but
7: he's done absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, nothing on his recent CV suggested that he deserved the job, and I was among the vast majority of people that, that feared for Leicester City this season. He's used his experience wisely, I think, of English football and remembered the fact that Nigel Pearson had got that team going towards the end of the last season. He'd found a really nice formula that worked for them. So, in essence, Ranieri didn't change a lot. He brought in a couple of quality players and basically instilled great belief and confidence in the guys within his squad and let them continue... Surfing that wave, and and that wave is get, just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, you look at the points they've accrued since sort of January 2015
1: to now, and it is absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? Mm. Some bloke called Vardy, V D Vardy. That's it. Yeah,
7: apparently he's quite good. He's not bad, is he? He's he's a bit slow though. Um, <laughs> and look, he is he is top class. He really is. He's not just about speed. We know about that 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 burst that he's got, but. In the goals that he scored this season, he's also proved that he's a quality finisher, not just with one foot, but with both feet and with his head as well. He is one of these all-round strikers that you can't afford to take your eyes off. So whoever plays centre-half for Arsenal this weekend, well, they're going to have to concentrate for the 90 minutes.
1: And obviously Adrian, a man who's helped pull the strings and helped set up some of Vardy's goals and has scored a huge number himself and set up a huge number himself is Riyad Mahrez. Wonderful player and again, a guy who never really has shown anything like this kind of form.
7: Not at all. No, £400,000, absolute bargain. He was a touch inconsistent last season, but I think Ranieri saw beyond that, saw that he could be a real match winner this season. Maybe he also saw that he was a confidence player and said to Riyad Mahrez, I'm going to build this team around you and Jamie Vardy. You're going to play almost every week. If you deliver me work rate, you are going to play week in, week out and you're going to make the difference for me. And, it's a prophecy that's come true. So sometimes it's man management that can help bring the best out of players. and I think that's what we've seen with Marius. And they are the two headline grabbers, as we know.
1: But what's impressed me every time I've seen Leicester this season is just how the rest of the collective work as well not particularly flashy names but they all do a job and they do it consistently don't they
7: yeah the key to their success has been teamwork obviously the headline acts are Vardy and Mares, but but in terms of their organization without the ball their work rate compactness discipline all the all the dirty work they do it just so effectively it's incredible they're very very well drilled by Claudio Ranieri who doesn't tolerate people letting them down and because nobody is letting him down he's picking the same 11 players every single week and that in itself is creating such a settled side that the teamwork is just getting stronger and stronger and so is the bond
1: and as we saw with their magnificent win against Manchester City at the weekend Clarkie when they attack and counter-attack they do it with pace don't they and a real ruthless edge is that going to be a worry for arsenal or can they counter it
7: well it is a worry because arsenal will have the bulk of possession and they will be looking to probe in and around the final third The key for Arsene Wenger's side is not to leave themselves too vulnerable. I think it's a very important role, the defensive midfield spot in this match, whether it's Flamini or Coquelin, we're not sure. And I don't want to see both fullbacks going forward at once. I think we just need to keep three or four players back ready for these transitions and quick turnovers. Because when Leicester hit you that way, they're incredibly hard to stop. And so is Vardy. You hesitate for a moment... And he'll punish you. So, what can Arsenal do then to hurt Leicester? Well, there are a number of ways that we can hurt Leicester. We saw that, didn't we, in the in the 5-2 victory at the King Power? There aren't too many weaknesses in this side. I'll pre- perhaps look at the match-up between Alexis and Danny Simpson at right back. He might not be the strongest player in that 11, and Alexis uh, could be the man to really unlock the door over that side. And as well as Hooth and Morgan have played, they've been heroic and they were brilliant against Manchester City. I still think they're vulnerable to, to little runs and incisive pieces of football in and around them. So if Arsenal can get runners off of Giroud, Get, break into the box. That's where we can score goals. So,
1: what would be your key head-to-head <laughs> battle?
7: Oh, there is just there are just so many, <laughs> aren't there? Um, I, I, it's a, it's a hard one to call. I can't really look beyond Koscielny against Vardy because Vardy is the main threat. He's he's the guy that you've got to look after. It, it may be Koscielny, It may be Gabriel. I expect the two quickies to play. I do, because it might be t- just a-, a risk too far to bring Sacker back in. So, Gabriel and Koscielny, can they handle Vardy? If they can, Arsenal will score, I think, and we'll win the game. And just finally, in a sentence, how do you beat Leicester? Given how confident Leicester are at the moment, I think it's important to score the first goal. Get our noses in front, and then I think we can see off Leicester City. When they went behind against Liverpool... They couldn't come back. They're excellent front runners, Leicester. Let's score first and get the job done.
1: Clarky, always a pleasure, my friend, and thank you very much yeah, indeed. Top man. And remember, every Monday you can see Adrian on The Breakdown on arsenal.com. So that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, Dan Roebuck, Nick Brumsack, and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so that you never miss a new show. We're back on Monday, the 15th of February. Until then, it's bye for now and come on, you got us.
4: Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance.